Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Man, can I tell you, it is great to be home. Home, sweet home. No place like home. But we really missed you guys terribly. We thought about you all the time. We prayed, we prayed about you. I was going to say prayed about you. Some of you we did. No, I'm just kidding. We prayed for you. Uh, got on the stream as much as we could, uh, watching what's going on here at Tree, looking at Facebook, trying to keep up and still keep our hearts engaged where we were. I just want to give a big shout out and thank you to all our staff. It's just so refreshing as a pastor to be able to be gone and know that things are well taken care of. Great job. Great job from staff. The building didn't burn down. There's still people here. You couldn't ask for anything more to come back. I appreciate Pastor Cody, Pastor Dave, last two Sundays. Were you blessed the last two Sundays in the Word? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this is a great time. We, we look forward to sharing uh, stuff about our trip. I won't take the time necessarily today. We'll do a little bit of my message, but Mission Sunday's coming up. We'll share some things, so many wonderful things. But, um, you know, your, your generosity and your heart and for the nations really is, is what enables us to go do that and represent you and represent you well, I believe. And so I bring greetings back from our missionaries that we support and the people there in uh, India from IET, Indian Evangelical Team. Uh, our good friend Shaji, who's vice president, his wife Suni sends her love. And uh, they're so thankful that people here halfway around the world would believe in the work that's happening there, that they don't feel alone. They feel our love and support. I think that's one of the biggest things that we provide. Those brave, courageous men and women that are out on the front line, their life is on the line, literally on the line every single day, are so thankful to have a family back here that believes in them, and they're so appreciative of everything that you do and through your generosity and through your prayers. So again, we look forward to sharing some reports with all of you. Um, I just, we had a great trip. We came back. We spent a couple days uh, in New York just kind of decompressing a little family time, had family there, but little did we know that we were walking into Snowmageddon or whatever that was. Are you kidding me? And so our trip was planned so far ahead that we thought the weather was going to be a different way than what it was. And we came from 90s uh, with 100% humidity to 20s <laughs> with 100% frozen. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. And so I brought a little New York back with me. So forgive me if I'm not out shaking your hands. You don't want me to uh, later today. Just believe that my voice holds up uh, one more. But God did some amazing things in us. Um, I will say this. I went a little long first service. Um, so because in India, they let me preach for 90 minutes. Can I tell you? And so everybody's like, oh, Lord, let's leave now. <laughs> Gonna do meet and greet again? I can slip out. Uh, but uh, no, it was a wonderful time. And then, um, you know, God just really just spoke to us in so many things as he does. And our hearts are so appreciative of all of you and thankful that we have a family here. Uh, speaking of family, I do want to make an announcement and let you know some family news. In our absence of while we were gone this past week, we had one of our wonderful, beloved Tree of Lifers and staff members go home to be with the Lord. Uh, Jerry Sanchez, for those who may or may not know Jerry and Aloysia Sanchez, have been a part of Tree of Life for over 30 years. I think 31 years they've been part of this church. Uh, they came here at a time just locked in, locked in with my dad and all things going, served in every area of ministry. Um, felt the call of the Lord. They went to Raymond Bible Training College where I graduated. My brother graduated from, my parents, and came back. God put it on their heart to come back home to their home church and serve a ministry here. So over 20 years, they've been part of our staff. They're the ones actually kind of behind the scenes, uh, unsung heroes, that they keep the place looking clean. They take good care of the house of the Lord. And so uh, they've worked really hard for over 20 years to do that. And that's got to be one of the hardest jobs, as much activity as we have here on campus. So they're, they're such humble people, uh, so loyal, 
faithful for so many years. Uh, he went home this past Friday. And so on Tuesday, we're going to have a memorial service for him here. It's at, uh, I believe, at 11. And so I wanted you to know that because they've been a part of this family for so long and then on staff again for such a long time. So I'm going to take a moment, if you'll join me as family, let's lift that family up in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. And we know that our eternity is in you. We know Jerry loved you, Father God, had a, a vibrant relationship with you, Father God, and he is in heaven enjoying all the wonders that are offered there, enjoying presence, the presence of Jesus whom he loved and sang about and preached about, enjoying all the loved ones that have gone on before him, even pastored on. We thank you, Father God, for his family that's here. We surround them with love and grace, give them strength and peace as only you can. We thank you, Father, that his life and legacy lives on and is a part of who we are, a part of who tree life is, and will be a part of that in years to come. We thank you, Father God, that he was such a, a humble man, Father, and he was such a faithful man. What a model to all of us. We ask, Father God, again, that you just bring uh, just that peace and comfort and that loving embrace to his family and friends as we continue to live life forward. We look to you for everything in life, and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just want to mention one or two other things about Jerry. Jerry was real instrumental in keeping us connected with uh, uh, Hispanic pastors here in town, the Spanish-only churches. Uh, he ministered in several of them quite Quite often, uh, he helped us be connected with the Spanish Ministerial Alliance and the Pastors United in Prayer. So many great things that he did. He will be missed, and uh, we're thankful for his life, love, and legacy. So uh, God is a good and faithful God. That's why we all need to have Jesus as Savior and Lord. Amen? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And so we know that he's uh, enjoying uh, things more than we are, uh, but um, you know, we're just thankful for uh, all that he's done here in his life. And so again, we continue to lift up his family. Go ahead and open your Bibles. We're starting a new series, and you can turn to 1 Timothy for me. Uh, you know, we, we really have had time to kind of just uh, look at you know, the direction that we're headed and, and the things that God has put on my heart. I want to say to you again as pastor, we don't come to church just for individual moments. Uh, just a Sunday kind of moment. We're, we're on a lifelong journey. I, I don't know how to express that to you. We're on a spiritual journey. And so I want to stress the importance of staying committed, staying consistent in your, in your attendance as you learn throughout the course of the year. I, I know this, we'll, we'll tend to lay out a little bit, we'll come and go as need arises, if you will, or time allows. But can I tell you, it's hard to grow consistently in that capacity. And so we are on a journey. And so I want to encourage you that so far just this year, we spent time in a series on the power and importance of God's Word, and I hope that you took that to heart and are applying it to life. Uh, last month, we did a series on relationships or marriage, and, and that's probably an area of our life that we have the most challenge or, or struggles in, so it was good to get God's Word and God's perspective on that. This month, we're looking at the other area, I'd say, that creates the most challenges in our life, and that's finances, and so how we have uh, how we manage that. We look at God's perspective. We have the world's perspective on things and God's perspective on things. And you know, it's always better to have God's perspective. Uh, you know, we're, we are spirits, we live in a body, and so it's important to look at the things through the eyes of the scripture and through the eyes of God. And so when we apply the word to our life, that's always the best course for our life. Can I tell you, when God established things in the scripture, they were at perfection, they could not be improved on. So when you look things in the Bible, you're getting the best there is to offer. Man cannot improve on what God has done. Man cannot add to, man cannot take away. And so what we look at in the scripture is really God's ultimate plan for you and I to walk in the ultimate blessings and provision that he has for you and I. And so we did that last month in the area of relationships. We're gonna do that this month in the area of finances. And I know, again, this is a tough one. So is marriages. There's a lot of hurt associated with it. There's a lot of abuse associated with it. And, and there, there is a lot of pushback because when it comes to money, don't talk about my money. 
And so I understand that, you know, and sometimes I'm a little hesitant on it, but then I get really fired up because I watch, I stay up too late or I'm, I'm still on in India time. And so we're almost 12 hours ahead. It's like, I don't know, 12 hours ahead. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like, this is delirious because I'm on medicine and lack of sleep. So I don't know what I'm going to say today. Just believe it's of the Lord. Okay. And so, so I couldn't sleep. So I woke up and I turned on the TV and I, I don't know why I do this. And I watched this late night TV preaching and this guy was saying that God had destructed him and forgive me, Lord. And I know God will deal with me later, but, um, the, the individual said this, he said, God said 120 people are supposed to call and give an uncommon seed. The first 120 people give an uncommon seed of a thousand dollars and God will do uncommon things in your your life. And if you need to, you can do it 10 installments, $100 a month. And I'm like, where's that in the Bible? I mean, I'm just like, where's that? And God checked me a long time. Don't judge them, you know, whatever. Just keep your heart right. And I got to stop watching all that stuff. But I, but I think man makes things so much more complicated than God ever intended. And man, God made it so simple so no one would miss out. So even the simple of us, if you, if I could say it that way, the simple of us, me, could understand his word and then for a walk in it. It doesn't get complicated. And it's never more on me, I, I, don't, I, I see it even more clearly now having come from India because there's such, a, a not, there's so little understanding of the word of God because it's illegal and they're not allowed to really preach the word and things like that. And so I'm trying to convey things in a way that's so simplistic that people that don't have a Bible or have heard the name of Jesus can understand and, and still apply to life. And, and that's my hope in the course of the series. When we look at the thing considering, concerning finances, we see the simplicity of it. And therefore my title is this, it just makes sense. Don't overcomplicate it, don't add to it, don't take away based on our own preferences or, or, or others' opinions or desires or abuses and stuff. Take his word for his word, just to take him at his word. If God said it a certain way, it's because he meant it a certain way. And so we're gonna look at that in the course of uh, this month on the area of finances. And here's what I believe, I believe you'll find freedom. I believe you'll find hope. I believe you'll find encouragement. This is in no way meant to, to, to twist an arm on anything or make anybody feel guilty. Really, the word is alive and it brings life to each and every one of us. So open your heart up to receive that. Starting with 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10, it says this. Those who want to get rich, let me, let me clarify that. Basically, the way this is stated is those who have a perspective. Those who have a certain perspective. Now, you can have the world's perspective on things or you can have God's perspective on things. And can I tell you, it goes without saying, God's perspective is always better, amen? And so if you want things to work out the way God intended, you have to see them the way God sees them. And so for some of us, we have to change the way we think. We have to change the way that we view things. And that's what the scripture is saying. If you want uh, those who, who, who want to get rich, it, it, you, if you have the wrong perspective, if you have the wrong understanding, then here's what's going to happen to you. You'll fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And basically saying when you have the wrong perspective, you start thinking wrong things and doing wrong things and it leads you to these things. So my job as a pastor my job is this, it's to get you out of the temptation. It's to get you out of the trap. It's to keep you out of the ruin and destruction because God has a way and God's way works, amen? So that's my job, that's what I wanna do. I wanna, I wanna provide you with God's way so you can get out of these things and avoid some of these things. So what's the deal? How does that happen? Well, take a look at the next verse. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now notice it doesn't say that the root of all evil is money. Can I tell you money's a good thing? Can I tell you I like money? I like having it more than I like not having it, right? I mean, I like money. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, we know money's neither good nor bad. 
It's based on how it's used, right? And so again, it talks about if you have the wrong understanding, let me say it this way, the wrong perspective or the wrong understanding of money leads to evil. It's basically what it says. Or let me say it this way, the world's understanding of money can lead you to evil, God's understanding of money can lead you to blessing. The way God always intended the way God intended. And so it goes on to say this, some people eager for money, pursuing after, chasing after, focused on money, have wandered from the faith. In fact, if you don't have the right perspective on money, God's perspective, the scripture says, even says that you could wander away from the faith. No, not me, I love God. Well, we'll talk about that here in a minute. And again, this is a message of freedom and hope. So let's make sure we have the right perspective, the right understanding, so we didn't get caught up in some of these things. And so some even have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves. Listen to that, pierced themselves. Well, they did it to me. My boss did it to me. The creditor did it to me. This person did it to me. Oh, no, 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 no. Maybe it was you just need to get the right perspective. And that's the great thing about it is we don't need to blame anybody else because our circumstances then are dependent upon somebody else. If we'll understand, it's our perspective and understanding that matters. And so if we have pierced ourselves or brought hurt into our life because we've misused, mishandled, misunderstood money, then we can make adjustments in our thinking and our actions and get out of that. Amen? And I'm thankful for it because here's what, here's what the, the economy of this world or of this nation does not determine my blessing or not. A new administration and new things or whatever, stock markets or whatever, does not determine the blessing of God in my life. It does not. And so let's understand that God has a better way. And so we're going to look at that. So let's take a look at Luke 12, 34. We're familiar with this one. We've used this last series. And here's what it says. For where your treasure is, your heart will be. Again, I want to reemphasize Jesus is speaking and he says this, where you put your stuff is where your heart will be. Now understand because we typically, and it's taught this way wrongly a lot, where our heart will be, our treasure will follow. And that's not true. So there's choices that we make and things that we do that with our treasure, and your treasure might be your time, your talent, it might be your resources, it might be your creativity, your ideas, your words, your touch, wherever you put that, then your heart will follow. So you make choices every single day what you're gonna walk in. And so let's understand that, that when we make choices every day based on where our treasure is, then we'll, our, our heart and emotions will follow. And everyone here would say, well, my heart's for God. I believe in God. I want God to be first. I believe God to be first. I love God more than anything else in my life. And Jesus would say, okay, then if you love him more or you love me that way, then where are you putting your stuff? And so I don't mean that harshly this morning. I mean it as a litmus test. I just don't know, I don't, I don't know, am I there or am I not there? How do I know where I'm at? How do I know where I'm at with God? Because I wanna think that I'm really doing good with God, but maybe I'm not, maybe I'm, I'm kinda got caught up in some stuff and don't realize it. Okay, 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 where's your stuff going? I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, open up your checkbook register, <laughs> all right? Or go online, I mean, checkbook, what's that, right? My kids are like, checkbook, what's that? I go online and look and see where things are going because Jesus says, it's like wherever you're putting, and it's not just a money issue. We talked about that with relationships, didn't we, last time? We talked about that, wherever you put your treasure, your focus, your attention, your creativity, your resources is where your heart is. So Jesus gives us really not anything to be hard or condemning about. He really gives us great insight in how we can look and see where we truly are in our relationship with God. 
And so I want to talk about today some things, and I've been blessed to have good money managers in my life. My dad was a good money manager, surrounded by good money managers, and so I've learned some things over the years. And so I know I've heard this phrase a lot, look at the numbers, right? Look at the numbers. We evaluate things based on numbers, and whether it be finances or attendance or whatever, we evaluate things. And and there's a lot of wisdom there. And so we hear things that's all about the numbers and the natural. So that would mean things like this. Let's take a look. Number one, earning. We need to look at the earning. It's your, in your income, right? The, the world would say, you look at the numbers. And so you have to earn money. If you don't work, you don't eat, the Bible says. Everybody needs to work. Everybody, you know, you, you need have that, however that looks in the dynamic of your family. But let me say this. Um, I'm a parent. Let me say this to teenagers. And, you know, when you're old enough to get a job, get a job. Learn how to manage money. Let me say this to the teenage boys because I have daughters get a job, (laughs) right? Quit playing video games all day and go out and get a job. You need to have earning, you need to have income. And so our our natural thought would be if we need to get out of debt or we need to break free from something, then we need more money. And that's, can I say that's not always the answer. And so, but income is important, obviously, and we need to manage it well. If we wanna get out of debt, we need to increase our income and increase our margin. So if you're a numbers only person, that is a big deal for sure. Then you'd also hear this, look at your spending, because you need to know what's going out. Not only do you need to know what's coming and what's going out. You have to know what you're spending your money on. And so statistically speaking, 90% of Americans don't have a budget. So 90% of Americans don't know where they're spending their money and they would be amazed if they take time. And I wanna encourage you, have a budget. And let me stop right here and say for all those who have a My TLC account and that are, um, I got that Right Now Media email, go to Right Now Media and look up Dave Ramsey. Can I tell you, I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan. Just wanna let you know, you can agree or not agree, that's okay. I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan. So you need to go on this topic and go back to Right Now Media and look up all things Dave Ramsey and he'll give you some good tips and good pointers. But you need to know where it all goes. I have 16, 17 year old daughters that have jobs. And so it's interesting when we sit down with them and we look at their bank account and we look at where they spend their money, you know, we, we can adjust, right? You don't have to go to McDonald's every day or whatever that is, right? There's some things we could do differently. Uh, let me give you the third one. If you're a numbers guy, here's what you look at, savings. Savings is important, absolutely savings is important. Proverbs 21.20, love this scripture. Proverbs 21.20, here's what it says. The wise store up choice food and olive oil. They have a savings, but fools gulp theirs down. I love it. I never thought the word gulp would be in the scripture unless maybe Jonah, but this one is great. Don't spend everything you got. You know, put some away for a rainy day and you need to be wise and have some things stored up. Bible says don't spend all you have. You need to save. And can I say this? According to statistics, the average American spends 136% of their income. Now, I'm not a big math guy, but I know 36% of that's over, <laughs> right, than what they make. They got 36% going out that's not coming in. So they're doing something, they're racking up their debt, all that kind of stuff. That's not good. Can I tell you the world's way doesn't work? The world's way doesn't work. Savings is important. I know if you're working and managing these things with wisdom, they will work to some extent for you. Okay, let me give you another one. Looking at the numbers, investing. This is where it gets fun. You get an opportunity. That means your money's working for you now, not only just you working for your money. Put some aside for the purpose of letting it grow. And everyone in here older would say to everyone in here younger, start now, right? How many older would say, man, I wish I'd have started when I was your age? Come on, no regrets, we start from here forward. The average car payment in America is $484. So what if you're 25 years old and you just bought a used car, what you could afford, but it runs, it gets you where you need to go, and from 25 to 65, you put $484 in the bank, you would have $5 million or more. So it's like, no regrets, but God's our source and provider, but we need to start here. So investing's extremely important. 
obviously, especially when you're looking at the numbers. One more, we, we talk about this one a lot in church, but the uh, financial planners don't talk about this one a lot, and that's giving. Giving, because it's really contrary to the world. It's like, what, you know, the world's not give your money away. What are you talking about, 10% tithe? No, that's ridiculous. And so, let me say this, as Christians, our lives, our lives are to be marked with generosity. Our lives are to be marked with generosity. Even most non-Christians know our lives should reflect charity at some point. The average American gives, um, gives away just under 3%. The average American gives away just under 3%. The average Christian gives away just under 4%. It's interesting to me, the average Christian does not look much different than the average American. In fact, 4% is way less than what my Bible says when it talks about 10%. And so it's like, again, God's way works. God's way works, the world's way does not. Now, if we worked on all five of these, we would see a difference. You need to work on all five of them. You'd see a difference, it would help. But as believers, we know there's more to it than just the numbers. We know there's more to it than just the natural, amen? We live in the realm of the supernatural, amen? Because of Jesus inside of us. So we're not bound to natural things, and that's what we have to understand. Natural things will work to a point But if you're just looking at the numbers, you don't have to live that way. When you operate according to the word of God in the supernatural realm, if you will, then you can live beyond the numbers. And that's what we're talking about today, living beyond the numbers. I don't wanna just live by the numbers. The numbers haven't worked for me either. But living beyond the numbers doesn't make sense to the natural person. That's why they'll say that's foolish to go there, to give there, to do that. But I'm telling you, God's way works, amen? Man cannot improve on what God has created. God has created it to perfection. So if you'll operate by it, you'll reap the benefit of it. Let's take a look at Haggai chapter one, verse five through seven. Here's what it says. Now this is, now, this is interesting because there's a, a, a scripture sandwiched between these two. Now listen, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. God is saying, you need to pay attention to what you're doing. And then he gives us the scripture. You've planted much, but harvested little, ever been there. You eat, but never have enough. That, that describe you. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Where did all that go? Are you kidding? I'm already out of money and I still have a month left. This probably described a lot of us at some point in time anyways, maybe not so much today, wherever you're at with the Lord, but a lot of us have experienced all this. And then listen to what he says, again, verse seven, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. So he sandwiches this thought or this, this truth of we live and we work and we're missing out on stuff and we put it in a purse that has holes in it, we're never satisfied, never hungry. But on both sides of that, he tells us to be careful and understand there's, there's another way There's another way you can work, another way you can operate here. And so I'm saying that to you this morning, be wise in how you're managing things. The Lord would say that he has a better way, amen? And so we're gonna look at that this morning and what's that better way? There's a higher way. Could it be that God's principles supersede natural principles? And the answer obviously is yes. And this is true in every area of life, isn't it? God's ways supersede every natural principle in every area of life. He's not bound to those things. So uh, you, you understand that over half of the parables in the scripture deal with giving, deal with this. Over half the parables, Jesus taught through parables. So over half of them dealt with giving because he knew it would be an issue. Five times more scripture on giving than prayer. He's trying to address something in our hearts and our lives. Again, back to Haggai, he says, hey, I wanna let you know you need to be careful in how you think about these things. So 1 Corinthians 1.20, here's what it says. That where, the wise, where is the wise person? Because listen, understand, we, some of us consider ourselves, you know, um, 
good money managers. And, and, and the truth is probably some of you have that, that great gift. And we, we go and we listen to financial planning or we'll listen to people tell us how to manage our money. But listen to what this says. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? What this is saying is you can't just depend on man's wisdom. You can't just depend on your own knowledge and your own research and your own understanding. And no matter how good you know, your investment banker is for those who do that, no matter how good someone's telling your uncle's telling you how to budget, no matter how good those people are, and I'm sure they're great, no matter how good, God has another way. And it may seem foolish to the wise people of the world, but again, they cannot improve on what God's created. So you and I need to do what God is. Uh, laying out in his word to do and we'll walk in the blessing of benefits. So let me give you then back to our original living by the numbers. Let me give you uh, five things to compare and contrast to. So the first principle we talked about was earn more no matter what it costs. And that's the way we live, no matter what it costs. And some of us, we move across the country, we do things like that, whatever, no matter what cross to chase the dollar, go after it wherever it may take you. Can I tell you there's a higher principle in the word of God that lives beyond the numbers, goes beyond the numbers. And here's the first one, calling versus compensation. Calling versus compensation. You know, God's called us all to do something great, something unique, something amazing. God's created and gifted us, each and every one of us, to do something that's fantastic and wonderful. In fact, if you went to the growth track today, I believe growth track today was on your calling, on your gifting. Uh, they take a spiritual gift test and find out how you're wired. It helps you discover who God's created you to be. If you didn't get a chance to go to that, you need to make sure you go to the next one that comes around. In other words, at the end of the day, how much money you make is not going to fulfill you. I thought I'd get an amen from somebody on that way. Let me say it again. In other words, at the end of the day, how much money you make is not going to fulfill you. It's not. It's just not. No matter how hard we try, we strive. It's not. What's going to fulfill you is doing what you were created to do. Amen? And can I tell you, that is what we're all longing for. And, and money is money, and we all need money, and, and that's okay. But there's nothing that's going to fulfill you other than doing what you were created to do. And I want to say this about calling, because we're all called to do something. I'm so thankful for the staff we have, because I will guarantee you every member of this staff could go out in the secular world and make more money than they're making here. But they understand that God has called them to something, and God is fulfilling them through that, and God is providing for them. And I'm so thankful, because they all could, at any point in time, go make more money somewhere else. But I'm thankful that that they're putting the calling of God, therefore they're walking in their divine purpose and God's taking good care of them. That's the same for each and every one of you, amen? And they deserve a hand for that, absolutely. Absolutely, but it's about the calling, but I know you need something to live on, but when you're looking for satisfaction and fulfillment, satisfaction and fulfillment, it's the calling that gives that to you. Even if it's less than what you could make, God will take care of you, because there's nothing like knowing that you're doing what God has created you to do. See, that's a higher principle than this world. That's living beyond the numbers. Um, you know, don't chase the dollar, chase the call. Chase the call, God will provide. The secret to your life is discovering why you are on this planet. It's not how much you can accumulate, but how much you can fulfill what God has called you to. And that's where we find our fulfillment. So I want you to write this down. We don't just need money to live on, we need something to live for. We don't just need money to live on, we need something to live for. And I know some of you wrestle with that. We wrestle with it. You're chasing almighty dollar and you're going to always come up empty that way and discouraged and dissatisfied. Maybe you should look and see what you're called to do. The other side of that is the temptation to doing some things that you could make more money but won't be fulfilling and, satisf and satisfy you is great. It's huge. 
So chase the call, chase the call. We need to focus our lives around what we are here for. You know, one of the things that touches me the most when coming back and going to India is that most pastors, we, we were able to meet with 152. We, we were expecting 100 pastors, but we ended up having 152, which is great. These are guys, their lives on the line every day. And we support, fully support 10 of them. You know our full support is their only support. Our support is $150 a month. And can I tell you, I'm just so humbled at that every time we go over there, because can I, I don't know that I've seen more joy or more passion in meetings and praise and worship than those men and women bring. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I don't mean that as a guilty thing because we don't, we, we don't live in guilt. We live in responsibility, amen, and obligation to, because we're blessed to live here. But I'm amazed at how they see life because they see life and they're fulfilling a call so there could be no greater reward when their life is on the line every day. And I think what a lesson for me, what a lesson for us to do, uh, to learn is to understand, let's make sure that we're pursuing the calling. God will provide, God will take care of. And so they seem to me to be some of the happiest people that I know and if you are, uh, find out what you're created to do, then you'll have that same fulfillment. Acts 20, 24 says this, however, I consider my life worth nothing. This is the apostle Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. My life is worth nothing to me, only that I finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. I just wanna do what God's called me to do. He says, nothing else matters. This is Paul, nothing else matters to me. I just wanna do what God's called me to do, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And it may be the job that you're at, it may be that. If so, then rejoice and celebrate that. But let's make sure that we're pursuing the calling and, and not the compensation. God will take care of us. The second area, if we're living by the numbers only, and is, is one you have, you have to control the spending. And so let's take a look at it this way, contentment versus consumerism. Contentment versus consumerism. We live in a society that wants more. I mean, 136% of income being spent. Right, that credit card commercial, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now, right? That song, whatever that is. And that's just the mindset. We've trained each other, we've learned to do that, so things come that we just go beyond what we have. And look what Jesus says in Luke 12, Luke 12, 15. Beware, don't always be wishing for what you don't have for real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Aren't you glad for that? Real life and real living are not related to how much you have. That doesn't determine anything. Oh, if I only had this and if I only had that, my life would be, no, that's not it at all. I think this country has lost, I think we have lost the value of being content we don't know what it is to be content. We place a dollar amount on it. We place accumulation of some things on it, which you'll never obtain, never achieve, because then, it, then it's like fleeting, then it goes and you'll want, when you get to that point, then you'll want more, something inside of you. But we've lost the value of contentment that Paul says we need to have and get back, and Jesus is expressing it here. And so, honestly, if you look to people who are the happiest, they seem to be the ones with the least. And not everybody, but that's just kind of my observation at times. And I believe it's this way because the ones that have the least don't have to worry about insuring things, <laughs> paying for storage for things, and locking things up. They ain't got nothing. <laughs> you pay how much? I don't, you don't have any of that. And honestly, all you have to do, honestly, all you have to do is go on a mission trip again, not to make anybody feel bad, but we need to make sure that we have things in the proper perspective. In fact, contentment is something that seems to elude us quite frequently, but it's something that really struck me in our time there in India because of your great generosity that we were able to provide some things for the pastors there and I just want you to see 10 seconds maybe of their probably two minute response. Go ahead guys, why don't you play that.
I, pro I probably went on for two minutes, probably, easily. They got $3 backpacks. We gave them $3 backpacks. But they just thought that was just the greatest thing in the world. And then the ladies, oh, the ladies were a little bit more than $3. The, the ladies, uh, several Tree of Life ladies, uh, sewed, hand-sewed bags over the course of a few months. So all the ladies got handmade bags from Tree of Life ladies, which is amazing. Which, thank you ladies for your labor of love. It's incredible. Again, I don't mean that to make, to elicit some response of guilt or whatever. I, I don't at all. I want us to understand that we maybe have lost the value of contentment. Paul says, I'm content no matter where I am and what I have. And there's things that we need maybe to get back to. And, and so I wanted to share that with you because your generosity provided that for them. Philippians 4.12 says this, I know that what it is, Paul saying, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. We all probably could say that. I've learned the secret, hold on to that word, of being content in any and every situation. He says, I've learned the secret. And if you read the writings of Paul, I believe he constantly, consistently expresses the secret. And when you go back to Paul's writings, he's always talking about, I'm blessed because of what Jesus did. In fact, when you go on to Philippians 4.13, the next verse, he says this, whether well-fed or hungry, finishes that original thought, whether living in plenty or want, then he says this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I'm blessed because of what Jesus did, not because of what I have or don't have, or where I sleep or don't sleep, or what I eat and what I don't eat, or what I drive and don't drive. He says, I'm blessed because of Jesus, period. And if he did nothing else for me, if I got nothing else in this life from him, I'm content because of what he's already done. It's important for us to understand the power of contentment. We are blessed. And if you are the poorest of the poor in the United States of America, you are among the wealthiest of the world. The people that we minister to over there live on two, three dollars a day. And I don't say that again to feel bad. I just want us to see we're blessed to be in God bless America. Amen. God bless America. So we are blessed to live where we live. And and so no matter what you have, you're better off than most. You ever heard that? Well, at least I'm better off than most. You know, and I remember, I see my, my grandma would say that or someone would say that all the time. You know, how you do? Well, I'm better off than most because they went through different times than we went through, you know. And so let's understand it. Keep it in the right perspective. Let me say this to you. A contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. Real contentment is not getting more, but realizing you've already been blessed. And so we have, especially in this country, we have been blessed. And so we're learning to live beyond the numbers. So let's look at the third one. We need to save. It's a biblical principle. But this one has a little, let me say it this way, this has a little danger attached to it, if you will, when it comes to savings. If we aren't careful, we can develop the mindset of, um, if something happens, I can take care of myself. And so I'm not saying don't save, we need to. The Bible says that very clearly. But I'm saying make sure you stay God-dependent versus independent. So we try and get independent of this world's systems, and that's okay and that's good, but never get independent of God. We always need to be God-dependent because even though we think we have an amount that means safety and security for us, at any moment it can change. So we try and strive to live be, to be financially secure, and we need to save, but don't ever think that your finances can make you financially secure. Find your financial security in God alone. Look at Proverbs 18.11, here's what it says. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. That means they're putting their trust and security in their finances, not in God. And that's a dangerous place to be. And we can be good savers and still have a dependency on God and be God dependent. And that's what we're talking about here. Because we know in a moment's notice, everything can change. In fact, let me give you an example. Before, prior to our trip to India, we had come home with some money. We didn't change back to dollars last year from rupees, Indians or rupees. 
And so we were kind of calculating how much rupees we had to go over with, and we had 450 American dollars worth of rupees. And so I uh, WhatsApp Shaji, and we put the denominations out on the bed and said, how much is all this all these denominations were, just we showed him a picture of all of it. And he said, well, the 1,000 bill denomination and the 500 bill denomination are no longer viable here in India. And we're like, what? And he said, yeah, the government did away with those denominations. And I said, what does that mean? He says, so however much of those, whatever equates to, is no longer worth anything. Can I tell you that was $380. So right, right then, we lost $380 right then. We had $70 in smaller bills. And so we're talking about, oh my goodness. And then we thought about all the people in India that had all that and got hit by that because of their government. Can I tell you, our financial security is found in God and God alone, amen? God will take care of us, God's way works. Man, systems change all the time. And it was really heartbreaking, we went over and we've heard the stories of so many that had lost so much. In fact, it was illegal to carry those, those denominations of bills over there now, you couldn't even carry them. And so um, it was amazing, in a moment's notice, you cannot depend on man's systems, you have to depend on God, amen? God is faithful, God is faithful. You know, statistically speaking, the most generous people in America are the poorest people in America because they're no, they know their money can't do anything for them. Isn't that interesting? That people, by uh, percentage, relativity, give more than people that have more, uh, the poor people do. And so we need to make sure that we're not independent, but continue to be God-dependent. Save, 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 but be God-dependent for sure. Proverbs 30, eight through nine says this, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, Lord. If I get too much, I won't need you anymore. And say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Amen? I will trust not in riches, but in him who richly provides. You alone, God, are my source, the psalmist Egar is saying here. So in the area of investing, we need to look at the fourth one. You need to think about this principle, stewardship versus ownership. This is a big deal here. Stewardship versus ownership. You're not investing with your interests in mind, but you're investing with the owner's interests in mind. Understand we are simply stewards or managers of God's resources. Everything is God's. Everything on the earth and under the earth, the Bible says, is God's and the fullness thereof. We are God's. Everything belongs to God. He just gives us money to manage. To steward, the biblical word would be. And so we need to steward it in mind with the owner. We have a responsibility and obligation as he is the owner to steward it in mind with his want, will, and desire. A steward manages something that belongs to someone else based on their priorities. Let me give you the greatest financial principle of your life. If this would be, will be the greatest financial principle of your life, God owns everything, I am his manager. And if you see everything you are and everything you have in that light, you will do well. You are simply a steward. This is a big deal, because if you could ever figure out a way where your life, your car, your time, your home, your food, your money, if you could leverage that for eternal purposes, you'll see a difference in your life. If you could see all that you have and all that you are as a temporary resource to be stewarded for eternal purposes, you will be blessed. And let me say this too also, because we believe in the tithe, the 10% here at Tree. It's not just your tithe that this applies to, not just that, certainly that. You return, you don't give to God, you return unto God that portion. But then the 90, you have to be mindful of how God would want that managed as well. It's not just that. And he wants you to do good. He wants you to enjoy life. The Bible says enjoy it, enjoy stuff. Enjoy having stuff, just don't let the stuff have you. 
Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Goes on to say this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So you're gonna want to put as much in heaven as you can. Heaven is forever. Earth is temporary. So I heard somebody say this, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by how you steward it and how you manage it. Amen? Uh, Matthew 13, says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. That means this, that once you realize what really matters, you'll try and make all your life matter for what really matters. And the last principle, one more, when looking at the numbers, was giving. Again, one we said that not a lot of financial planners perhaps would include this one, but the Bible's very clear on this one. So generosity versus misery. <laughs> it's funny that I use the word misery, but the opposite of, generous, of being a generous person is being a miser. So misery is the opposite of generosity. The opposite of generosity of being generous is a miser. The most miserable people I know are, are some of the stingiest people I know. The happiest people seem to be the most generous. I think that's a biblical principle. Acts 20, 35 says this, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, amen? And that word blessed in the Greek means happy. It literally means happy. So it is more happy to give than to receive. It is more happy to give than to receive. You wanna be happy in life, be a generous person. You're a generous church, and I'm so thankful for that. You're a very generous church. You're very generous in missions in Mexico. My brother's here this morning, and his family, and, and India, we just got back. Very generous in a, in a building that you've helped provide that will open up on Easter so we can house more of the harvest and minister to more people. But I want to illustrate this point just really quick for you on another story from India. Um, uh, we were, our flights to New York were canceled, so we at the airport in Delhi, Mumbai, Delhi, I guess, in Delhi at a... 10.45 in the evening, our flight was to go. It's a 15-hour flight. And so we were there, got checked in. The flight was canceled. And so they put us up in a hotel. We had to spend another day and hopefully get out the next flight. And totally God worked out a lot of great stuff for us. Story for another time. But so we had a day in Delhi. And so we didn't want to just sit at the airport. We can only stay at the hotel so long and sit at the airport. So IET's headquarters is in Delhi. So they sent a driver over to drive us around, take us where we wanted to go. Well, we were, can I just tell you, we were done with Indian food. And I just, I mean, I just... I just guess, can I find some meat? Where's the beef? I mean, can we eat something? And so we Googled American restaurants, just Googled it, and we found a couple like TGI Fridays and Chili's all at this one mall. And there was a Hard Rock Cafe there. So we thought, let's go eat the Hard Rock Cafe and get a Hard Rock Cafe India t-shirt. So the driver took us there and we went inside. And so he was gonna wait outside the restaurant. We're like, no, come in with us, come on, come on. He didn't speak a whole lot of English, but we had him come in with us, he sat with us, and we helped order for him. But can I tell you that like heavens opened up and this light from heaven shined down, the angel choir focused on this bacon cheeseburger. And I said, I want that. I wept before the Lord. I just fell to my knees and wept before God. I thought I was taking communion, holy communion right there. <laughs> Hamburgers, french fries. So we ordered for our friend, and uh, we had to get him something Indian, real spicy and stuff, so we ordered for him. So when the food came, he was so humble and really kind of embarrassed, and we're like, no, 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 don't worry. And so uh, Camry had nachos and just made some onion rings, and so he was trying all that, and he just ate and ate and ate, had a great time. Then he looked at us, we are getting ready to leave, and we were going to go, get ready to go, and he looked, this is the best day of my life. And that just struck me. I just take all that for granted. And, I don't, and again, this is not a guilt thing. And, and, and it, but, but I thought about 
let's just be aware of our opportunities around about us to be a blessing. Because we don't know what it means to other people. The man lived five kilometers from that place, had never been inside those doors, that mall, never been there, had never eaten, anything like that. It was just a special treat for us to include him that way and offer that to him. And it just struck me of how many times are we pass people every single day, not again, not a guilt thing, but maybe to help us realize our obligation and responsibility, that what we can do is just the simplest form of, simplest gesture of generosity could mean so much to somebody else. And you know what, I think that's the simplicity of the gospel. Let's not make it so complicated and 10 installments and uncommon seed of this and that. Let's just be as generous as we can, as much as we can everywhere we are. And it's amazing what God will do working in and through us. And that's my heart, my hope for you. That's the church I wanna lead. You're a very generous church and we're so thankful for that. And I know God's working in and through Tree of Life. So let me close with this last scripture, 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19. And this is written to pastors, so this is written to me. So here's what he's saying, Pastor Don, Pastor Timothy, in this regard, Pastor Don, command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. It is truly more blessed to give than to receive. I wanna encourage you this morning, God's way works. God's way works. There's our escape from traps and troubles. There's our freedom. There's our hope in following God's plan and purpose. I just want to encourage you with the word this morning. If we just get our life in line with the word of God, it is a blessing, and then God will bestow his provision on our lives as we walk it out. He's a good God, and he's a faithful God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.